Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Remain standing, take your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke, chapter 15. Appreciate our worship team once again. Uh, you may be seated. Next to the parable of the Good Samaritan, for his popularity and awareness, even people outside the church, that phrase, oh, he's a Good Samaritan, that's even used by newscasters. That, 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 that word, that phraseology is used by, by those with even the most secular mindset. Oh, he was a Good Samaritan. And most people don't really even know what they're talking about. The Good Samaritan refers to Scripture. I would say the second one that's as popular as the Good Samaritan is this story of the prodigal son. It has specific and detailed impact in my life as I've preached from this text no less than a dozen or 20 or so times. And I've studied it, and I remember hearing messages on it, and I have never heard a message from the text that we're about to read exactly like what I'm about to preach to you. It's unique. And I am going to rephrase or rewrite or rename, should I say, rename this parable, which I'm pretty sure is not changing Scripture because we've given it the name of the parable. That's just regular folks that did that. It's actually not in the original language. It's, it's a parable, one of three different parables, all of them bringing the same meaning. And before I tell you the, the renaming of this parable, I'm renaming it. Before I tell you that, what I desire, what I believe God desires to do in this service today is to give you a revelation of who he is, who he really is, his, his heart. You could entitle the message, the, the Father's Heart. Or you could use the renaming of this parable, which I'm going to call the Waiting Father. Luke 15, find verse 11. We are in a series called Healing America. Healing America. And if you have my little Healing America slide, why don't you put that up because I just like the American flag and all that. And if you don't, then... Uh, we'll praise the Lord anyway. Healing America. Oh, well, that's the overcoming the Antichrist, which is good. It's certainly at work. I preached on it just recently, but we're, we are in need of sealing, seeing America healed. Okay, you can stand up. Now, Luke 15, verse 11 That he said a certain man, then he said a certain man had two sons. I'm reading from the New King James. If you're able to stand, wonderful. If not, just stand on the inside. Verse 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them of his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. 
And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine, verse 16. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, when he what? When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, how far away? A great way off. His father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. But this is my son who was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. And when he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to them, he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Verse 28, but he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. And so he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet never, you never gave me even a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours comes, who has devoured your livelihood with the harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and is found. Father, I thank and praise you for the anointing, for the power of the Holy Spirit upon us now, here in the service, and all those in Dillingham, those in Tope, those, Lord, across the nation, across the nations, those watching in the recast, God, pour out your spirit in the moments that remain. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We have a fatherless generation by and large, and they're going to put some statistics up, and I want you to just look at these with me for a moment, please. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of children who show behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from Seventy-one percent of all high school dropouts come from 
fatherless homes. There is a plethora of information that I'm going to post up on uh, our Facebook if they haven't done that just yet. Can my producers please remind them to do that as soon as you can? Because there were others that wanted to see that from the first service. Statistics that are staggering. Fathers have been made fun of, demeaned. It used to be fathers know best. Now they mock them all the time in Homer Simpson type scenarios. Fatherlessness is an epidemic. And our nation needs fathers. We're going to see America healed. It's got to get healed by the family. You know, I had another statistic that I, I, don't, think I'm, I don't think I put up, uh, but I'm going I'm to I'm give it to you now. If a child in the family gets saved, then 3.5% 3, 3. times you see, it's, it, it's greater, it's a 3.5% increase that the rest of the family would be saved. In other words, it increases the, the, the family 3.5% if a child gets saved. If a mom gets saved, 17% of the time, the rest of the family will follow. If a mother gets saved, if a, in other words, you understand what I'm saying. In a family, when the mom gets saved, 17% of the time, the rest of the family will follow. 93% of the time, if a father gets saved. 93%. Now, if a father gets saved, 93% chance that the rest of the family comes in. I mean, we need a revival of fathers. We, we need a revival of men of God. And I don't, I don't mean boys with back hair. I mean like men of God. People that'll really, some of you didn't catch that. People that'll live for the Lord with all their heart. And you know, we're all in process. And if you're just here for the very first time, welcome to Kings. You've come to the right place. And if you haven't seen modeled what it is to be a man of God, you've also come to the right place. There's a many, many, many men of God, great fathers here. And no one's perfect. You know, we're, all, we're all changing. We're all being sanctified daily as we reckon ourselves dead to our flesh, to the world, to the things of the rudiments of the world, traditions of man and the life to Christ. And be changed by the renewing of our mind. All of us are in process with that. We need fathers, real fathers. Going to look at this text, and um, you know, so oftentimes when we read scripture, we don't we don't really see it the way that they saw it when Jesus preached to it, when he spoke to them. There's these three parables; they all really have the same. Uh, essence, it's, it's the father looking for, waiting for, in this text, afar off for those who've been separated and those who were lost. And we don't really see it from the perspective that they had, and, and let me just say it this way. Con everybody, say, everybody say context. Context, understanding culturally what's happening, Understanding politically what's happening, understanding economically what's happening, understanding the people that are spoken to, Old Testament or new, when they were spoken to, what's happening in society. It helps you to understand the 
context of what's actually being said. So many times we read scripture and we don't see it in the context of the way that it was spoken. And this particular parable comes alive in an amazing way when you understand the context. A Middle Eastern people were hearing this parable. They're not some people from New York or Anchorage or Seattle. And they certainly weren't alive in our day and age. We see things differently. So if you don't understand context and you won't understand what's really happening, the weight of it. If I said to you, oh yeah, they slid up on my story and DM'd me. What'd they do to you? <laughs> now you have a gen, how many of you understood what I just said? Raise your hand. All right, so this is a survey. Raise your hand high. Okay, some of you aren't gonna raise your hand no matter what happens. Go ahead and keep your hand up. So you understand that that's because you guys are on social media and that's because you guys have Instagram or Snapchat. That's because you guys are tuned into that whole world. I'm not trying to make fun of everybody else. I mean, I'm sure you're not wasting half as much time as the people who raised their hands. But anyway, <laughs> but there is influence. So you would never understand what sliding up on someone's story is unless you know what sliding up on someone's story is. Oh, yeah, I double tapped that. You did what? What did you do? You did double tap. But if you don't understand social media, you don't understand Instagram, you don't understand Snap, you don't understand Instagram, you won't understand what a double tap is. In the same way as I read this, many of you, how many of you heard this story before? It's the prodigal son story. You heard it. It's the same people that know what slide up is. What's going on? Those are just the people that are raising their hands. Okay. Almost all of us know, but almost none of us know the Middle Eastern understanding and context of what's said. So now I want you to imagine as we get into this here in the moments that remain this afternoon, a group of Jews are listening to Jesus and he's talking to them and the things that he says would create responses in people. I mean, it'd be like, like gasps would come out. <gasps> no. I mean, just incredible. We don't really see it. So I'm going to try to break it down, giving you a Middle Eastern understanding of the text with all the oohs and all the ahs and all the no's that you might miss because without those, you don't really understand the weight of this revelation of the waiting father. Three different characters, the younger son, the older son, and the father. The younger son, let's take a look. And we do have notes for you. I encourage you to fill those in as we move along. But I make no promise that I'm going to fill in all the notes because that will give me the liberty to do whatever the Holy Spirit moves me along to do. If you want all the notes uh, and we don't get to all the blanks, you just pray. God perhaps will give you a, a word of knowledge. You think of it like doing it a crossword puzzle and just trying to fill that in. Okay, That will release me just to not be held down should the Lord move me along another direction. The younger son. When he said, Father, give me a share of the goods that have fallen to me or give me a share of the estate, here's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, Dad, you know when you were going to die, you know you're going to die. And when you die, you're going to give, you're going to, me and the older brother, you're going you're to distribute the goods, right? Well, I'd like mine right now. So what's he saying? He's saying, Dad, basically, I wish you were dead and his, that statement of give me the goods that fall to me, give me my inheritance now, is like, just can you just, just die already and give me my inheritance? 
He was dishonoring his father, an incredible dishonor, in fact. He's saying, give me what's mine. He's bound by avarice, greed, greed. Gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jim. If your name is Jimmy, don't be offended. But all he wanted was, was what, what, what fell to him. He didn't care who he hurt. He was selfish. He's like a narcissist. Narcissist, listen closely, is a story from Greek mythology where a, a young man finds a pool. And in finding the pool, he looks into the pool intently and sees this amazingly beautiful person and falls in love with himself. Narcissist. We have a whole generation, or a bunch of narcissists. So I'm not a narcissist, Pastor. You ain't talking about me. I'm so, okay, okay, but just let me just show you something. We haven't done this in a while, so we thought we would do it today. Take your cell phone, that $1,000 device that you have, and um, put it in the selfie mode. So flip that around so you can see, so you can see your self. Listen, if you have too many pictures, if you have a lot of pictures of yourself on your phone, you might want to check yourself. Okay, so put it in the, in the selfie position. Now, please obey the instructions. You can try this in Toke. Go ahead. In Dillingham, get the, I know you got phones in Dillingham. No, we're the village. I know you got phones. All right. So take that. Put it in the selfie position. I'm going to turn around because I'm just going to get another, another beautiful picture of everybody. All right, make sure you're smiling. All right, I'm going to do one first. That way, when it comes out, I'm going to post it. You didn't see, oh, you were looking down and your eyes were closed. Okay, so you're just ready. Ready? All right, I'm going to do one first. Smile. Ready? One, two, three. All right. Now what I'd like you to do is you go ahead and take a selfie picture of yourself. Right? Three, two, one. Take the picture. Not everybody's participating. It's the same people that won't raise their hand. No matter what I do, they won't raise their hand. I'm not getting my phone out. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Okay, Bubba. I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to, trying to help you a little bit. Open up the picture that you just took. I'm proving something. We've done it before. Go ahead and look at the picture. What's the first thing you looked at? You! You looked at you. You you know you did. You know you did. You looked at yourself. You got like, oh, my hair. Oh, my eyes were closed. Oh, ah, I hate when I had that half smile. Oh, oh God, the double chin. The double chin. <laughs> oh, we have a fallen human nature. We're, we're so consumed with self. This boy, this younger boy is consumed with self. He didn't care who he hurt. Where do you get that? Well, I mean, beyond hurting his father. Now, understand this. One of the things I've seen, certainly in our day and age, is that families that live righteously, generation after generation after generation, accumulate wealth. If you're Listen, I'm just telling you, you're living for God. I understand there's tragedy. It's not always the case. But by and large, in this country, if you live right for God and you're a good steward, and you take care of your finances, you leave an inheritance for your children. The Bible says you leave an inheritance for your children's children. Now, there's nothing wrong with accumulating wealth. There's everything wrong with worshiping it. Right. And, and you know how you, you know if you worship it, if you can give it away, 
and it doesn't really affect you, then you're not worshiping it. If you're just holding on to it, then it, you don't have possessions. You're possessed by those. Good. That was great. I'm going to go over here and get encouraged. So, when the boy says, Father, give me everything that belongs to me, he's saying, I wish you were dead. He's dishonoring his father. But now think about this. Some of you have homes. Some of you have land. Some of you have a cabin. Some of you have, some, uh, some of you have uh, um, uh, retirement. If you had to give what you were going to give to your kids right now, right now, I mean right now, you're not dead, it's right now. You're going to give what you're going to give to your kids, divvy up what you're going to give to your kids. How would you do that? You have to liquidate. I mean, understand the father's not writing a check to the younger son. He's not like, okay, we asked the account, we totaled everything up, and it's this amount. Let me write you a check and just go give that son what happened. It was in land. His wealth was in livestock. His, his wealth is in crops. Houses, buildings, maybe. What would that father have to do? Middle Eastern understanding. He'd have to sell some stuff. He'd have to sell it off. And, and honestly, think about this. It's a distress sale, which is great if you're buying it. How many of you know distress sales get good deals? It's a distress sale. He needs to sell it now because the, the son has asked for it now. And the father sells things probably for much less than it was worth. And he ends up giving to the son his estate. Now think about this. This father is apparently a wealthy man. He's got servants. How, how vast was his holdings? We don't know. But the truth is he had people that worked for him. Now if you had to sell off a third of your stuff, half of your stuff, he's only got two boys, right? He's got to sell off half of your stuff. So half of his land, half of his livestock, half of his holdings. What about the people that worked for him? Do you think he needs the entire, the entire workforce that he once had working in the fields now? The answer is no. So not only does he have to sell stuff off in a distress sale, are you tracking with me? He, has to, he actually puts people out of work and maybe, depending upon how vast and how large and how wealthy this man was, could have very well injured entire community economically because one boy, one selfish narcissist wanted his inheritance right now. That's a little bit of a different picture, isn't it? And the father, he, he, he gives it to him openly selfish, the horror of who, people who treat others that way. It's all over our country. People that demand that they have something and they didn't work one day in their life. It's horrible when kids behave that way. He sets off on his journey so, I mean, really, really think about this, the squandering. Now, it's a parable, so we don't know if it's a true story. It's a story to illustrate something. But in the illustration, it could have been many generations of righteous living squandered in one moment. I will tell you, we're on the edge of that in America. What's the answer? Fathers along with the other six messages that I've preached. Healing America. We need fathers, real ones. 
He sets off on his journey, and he squanders it all. He blows all his money. Self-centered man, took no thought of the future, only his present happiness. He found sinful pleasure. Somebody said, Sin, sin's no fun. No, yeah, it is actually. Uh, until you reap the reward of death. This payment has pleasure for a season, the Bible says, and most of you know about that. All of us, I think, might know about that. But the wages of sin is death. Somebody said, it's no fun sinning. They're lying to you, but it will kill you early and curse you and cause you to have a miserable, heartbroken, destitute life that God never intended for you. Oh, it might feel good for a moment, but in the end, it'll pierce you through with many piercings, meaning death. So, he found pleasure, which only lasts for a moment. His circumstances changed. Now, I talked about this on the first service, but it, it's interesting. He joined himself to a, a man of another country, and it's, it's not a Jew. Well, how do you know it's not a Jew? Because the pigs are involved. So anytime pigs are involved, Gentile nation. Thank God the sheet came down for Peter, and we can have roast pork. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. How many of you like ribs? It's the same 10 people. They're raising their hands. <laughs> Jesus, help us out. Bacon. Shataha. He joins himself. There's an unequal yoking that takes place. He's in sin. Now notice famine. There is, a con there is connectivity. Please hear me, and then I'll prove it for a moment, but I won't do a whole message on it. There is connectivity on demon power and sin. And there's connectivity of um, uh, a hierarchy of demons, territorial spirits that are connected to a land because of sin. You remember when, when the, the demoniac came to Jesus and said, don't send us out of the region. We know who you are. You're the son of God. Don't, I love how the devil begs. Don't send us out of the region. He says, uh, all right. Deviled ham. They go into the pigs, and the pigs run off the cliff. I haven't had deviled ham since I was a kid. Second Chronicles 7. It's like spam, but it's called deviled ham. Anybody ever heard of deviled ham? Okay. It's like a spam sort of product, I think. It's a breakfast food. Okay. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my will... Pray, turn from their wicked ways. God will do what? He will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. You'll notice that this boy joins to uh, a man of another country and gets involved in prodigal living, the text says, and then famine comes. I'm going to tell you, and I can prove it through many other scriptures, that famine and blessing, open heaven or a brass ceiling, and, 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 the, and the ground being like iron, producing nothing, comes from the blessing of God or the curse of God. Now, I didn't spend too much. I don't even think I spent this much time out on the first service, but I'm telling you, the blessing of God releases productivity, blessing, even supernatural vegetables, which we have here in Wasilla. You can see revivals that hit different nations and different places. There's an explosion like whole reefs coming back to life in Fiji. 
Reefs that were dead for generations, they come back to life and the fish return to the fishing grounds when people repented. I'm telling you on and on and on, there is connectivity between the, the land groans. The, the, the land is under a curse, longing for the sons of God to be revealed, longing for fathers to rise up, longing for people. So he, he gives, spends it all in prodigal living, prostitutes, harlots, as the, as the text says, with the older brother, and there's a famine, shock, shock. The covenant boy turns from the covenant and experiences famine. It's a curse. He feeds the pigs, which now at this time, when they said, and he, and he began to feed the swine. I mean, they're all in shock when they're like, he joined himself to another country. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. A Jew joining a Gentile, that's a horrible thing. And then he says, and he fed the, the swine. And you could hear the, the, I mean, the air would be sucked out of wherever they were. <gasps> no. I know you like pork ribs barbecued slow. So do I. For a Jew, unthinkable to even touch them, never mind feed them. It's a picture of utter, complete defilement at the worst levels. Utter, complete rejection of God's word. Utter, complete rejection of God's commandment. And complete, completely defiled. And the crowd, I think they gasped. And then it says he, 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 brought, he came to his senses. He, his, need, his need brought him to his senses. And I, I, I've been there before. I, I was there a week ago, not with the pigs and prodigal living. Somebody say amen. amen. But I got, I got to a place of desperation. I got to a place where if the Lord didn't come through for us, we're looking at our project, maybe, uh, maybe closing our project till we could... You know, fix something. You know, you don't want to be in a building project at COVID-19 time. I'm just telling you. Yeah. If you haven't figured that out, that's a bad thing to plan. But how many of you know we didn't plan any of it? It's all led by the Spirit, and there's lots of planning involved in excellence and all of that. But, I mean, there's, a, there's like a famine, a global pestilence. So how's your building project? Well, we are in the midst of a global pandemic. It's going well. And it is. However, it got to the place where our bankers were crawfishing away from us. Some of you know what that is. Anybody from the South? <laughs> Not so sure of COVID-19. How's your church doing? We're doing fine. Are you sure? It's called crawfishing away. Makes you want to eat it. Absolutely. So things got held up, things got delayed, a number of significant problems where we're looking at a need of, of an injection of millions of dollars. Why are you telling this? Well, first of all, it's your church. It's our church together. So we prayed. And the truth is, I got backed into a corner. I laced my mitts on, laced up my gloves, and said, Jebel Rana! Something like that. I think it was a little uglier than that. I went after God, and along with many other people praying, somehow we were able to touch the hem of his garment. A bank that didn't want to help us changed their mind a week later and have come through. Now, it's a loan, but it's a bridge loan, hopefully to get us to the next loan, or all of the finances will come in this morning. 13.5, you spell 13, T-H. I don't know how to spell the rest of it. Anyway, you get the idea, 13. Million, M-I. I don't know how to spell the rest of that either, but... 
They changed their mind, gave us a bridge loan for a couple. I ran over the backs of pews on Wednesday. Listen, that's a wonderful thing. It's not that we were in sin, but a place of desperation can produce in you incredible results in the kingdom. When you get sick and tired of being sick and tired and you're fed up and enough is enough, I'm not living this way. I'm not going to be the short end of the stick. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm the lender, not the borrower. I'm going to follow through. I'm going to walk in the blessing of God. I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to settle. I want everything you have for me. We ended up in a place of prayer like that and then breakthrough came. And by the way, revival came along with it. Blessed is the obstacle that comes in the way of a man on the road to destruction, said Corey Tanpoom. This boy realizes, what on earth am I doing? Comes to his senses and he decides to repent. What a glorious gift. He, he returns to his father. Repents and humbles himself. And the greatest realization is that he's sinned. The greatest realization you can have today is that you're sinned, that you have sinned. And if it's sin that's not been atoned or paid for, then it remains. I said, aren't you a sinner? I'm not a sinner. I'm a righteous man that sometimes sins. And I don't do it on purpose. I don't live a lifestyle of failing. I don't live a lifestyle of disobedience. Do you ever sin? Well, sure. I just don't do it on purpose. I'm like, I was in a bar the other day, and I got totally hammered. I just, just totally, actually, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> that, that, that's, not, that's on purpose. Well, let's move on. I, I was not in a bar the other day. I, I'm happy to go into one. I've done it many times before, witness and get everybody saved. I, I, I'll go in every time the Lord tells me to, which has been not for a while. Where are we? He has a realization that he sinned, and we realize how great, he realized how great he had it at the Father's house. All right, third person. Third or second? Second, the older brother. The older brother is unwilling to come in a celebration, and he stands outside as they're celebrating the younger brother's return. See, the older brother is just as wicked as the younger brother. He sees himself, I mean, he dishonors his father, he disagrees what the father's doing, doesn't agree that he should be killing a fatted calf and celebrating the youngest one. He's angry. He disagrees. He stands outside. He's basically saying, you're crazy. My father's crazy is what he's saying. He says to them, are you serious right now? Are you serious? That jerk who spent half of everything, that grandfather's grandfather, grandfather, the inheritance, half of it, he blew half of it. Now he wants to come back and probably get my half. What kind of a jerk? What kind of a dirtbag? I, I ain't going to no celebration with that. With harlots? Seriously right now? My father's lost his mind. He's obviously got dementia or something's wrong with him. That's the attitude. So understand that. I'm dishonoring my brother. I'm not going to forgive him. The older son's heart's revealed. He says, I've been slaving for you. And the NIV says slavery. He saw serving his father as being a slave. He had no real relationship between the older brother and the father or no real relationship with the brother either. I mean, he's got a totally distorted view of the father. You know who the father is, right? It's a picture of God. Well, who's the younger brother? You. 
Who's the older brother? The other half of you. It's the person who's gone to church for years. So angry. Self-righteous. Constantly want to bring correction to people. You're the fourth part of the Trinity. Bubba gets saved. Comes into the church. He's a plumber. Gets gloriously saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost. He's in church for about three weeks. Gets a call from the mugshot. Emergency plumber call. They've got a flood at the mugshot. How many of you know where the mugshot is? It's the same 10 people, again. I don't know if there's some correlation there. Or... Local watering hole, local bar down here. Gets a call from the mugshot. We've got an emergency plumbing issue, and uh, can you help us? So, you know, Bubba's got this plumbing company, so he jumps in his plumbing pickup truck and drives on over there, parks about midnight, works on it, gets things cleaned up. Well, while he's parking... Sister Bucketmouth, we're not going to tell you her real name, but Sister Bucketmouth is at an intercessory prayer meeting. Not to make fun of intercessors. I'm just saying that's where she was doing out so late because normally she would be home. But she drives past the mugshot on the way to her house. And much to her just shock and dismay, she saw Bubba's truck parked out in front of the mugshot. And she knew that that boy was prodigal living. She knew that he was drinking again. She knew, man... God help that. But she began to text all the prayer warriors. He backslid again. He don't backslid. I saw his truck out in front of the mugshot. You know he's drinking, drugging, and everything. And she puts a post up on social media, just tells everybody, oh, of course, in the, in the name of prayer. Next time he's in church, people are looking at him. Somebody says, well, I heard your... Heard your truck was out in front of the mugshot, and are you okay? He says, oh, yeah, I have an emergency call. And the person goes, oh, yeah, they had a flood. It was terrible. We were able to help them. Praise God. Oh. <laughs> and discovered that it was Sister Bucketmouth that spread the rumor. Being a country boy, wise country wisdom. Everybody say country wisdom. He applied his country wisdom. And felt led of the Lord the following Saturday night to drive his plumbing truck and park it in front of Sister Bucketmouth's house. <laughs> and felt led of the Lord to leave it there all night long. <laughs> Sister Bucketmouth, well, she got her wagon fixed. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. This older brother is angry and throwing stones all along. He had the favor of the father, but didn't know it, didn't see it. And there's been religious people like that. I had somebody say to me at the end of the first service, said, I'm, I was the older brother. I was the older brother. I've raised in church. I've raised in church. My father was a hard man, but I was raised in church. I knew, right? I've never left, and I've never backslidden. So I got healed here. I got healed here in your church, Pastor. I got healed of being just a religious person and just, just being an older brother. I said, really? He said, yeah, I was sold. He said, you know what's happened is after that, 
I got healed and that bitterness and the anger is gone. I saw God differently now, not through the eyes of the way that my father was, but now actually the way that he is. He's, he's a loving heavenly father who reaches out for me. And while I was afar off, he's invited me in. I was outside the whole time. He said, and the spiritual growth I've had, I've had so much spiritual growth after I got rid of that older brother syndrome. And his, his eyes are shimmering and power of God on him as he shared with me. I thought, whoa. You know, if you're stuck as an older brother, you understand what I mean by older brother. You could be going to church for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years and be stuck, angry at people that have joy and freedom. Well, all along it's being offered to you, but with your folded hands and your folded arms, wondering why God doesn't bless you. Maybe because you got something stuck in your craw. Using a bunch of Southern expressions this morning, this afternoon. All right. He was self-centered. Just like the younger brother. Let's look at the waiting father. The waiting father was looking for his younger brother. Now, this is so profound. The text says, well, he's afar off. When he's afar off, he saw him coming. So now, what does afar off mean? What, 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 does a, what does afar off mean? Well, it means afar off. It means like he's at a great distance, a great distance away. And his father, being a Middle Eastern man, would, would have worn Middle Eastern garments, all right? Would have worn Middle Eastern garments, and this will symbolize that. If you're a Polynesian, it's a lava lava or some other name of sorts. And so a father who's waiting, now understand, remember what the younger boy did. Sold the land. All the things he did, maybe maybe he destroyed the economy of the region. Okay, let's just blow it really way out, right? You know what the, the payment is, would be for that? It would be death. It would be stoning. You dishonor your father, your mother, then the, the payment for that by the law is death. You thought spanking was bad. Death. And so the father is looking for him to come off and come, come home. And to me, it's a picture that, he has this relationship, the Spirit's leading him to look. And he's looking afar off. And when he sees, I mean, he's, he's there, he's looking. And if you can imagine him wearing this garment, he's looking out. He's looking out. Can you imagine? They didn't have binoculars. Come on, they didn't have a spotting scope. He's looking. And as soon as he sees, is that him? That's him. Is that him? Is that, is that him? Said him, it's him, it's him. Ah! And he runs, he let him lift up his garment and run towards that young boy. Why? Because the payment for what he had done would be stoning. And you can promise and bet your bottom dollar that those who lost their jobs knew, knew that, lost their land, those that had been affected, even the older brother, he ran at him. He had compassion on him. He ran at him, compassion is feeling what other people feel. Sympathy is feeling sorry for someone. He wasn't sorry for his son. He had compassion on him. And he runs to him, and he throws his arms around him, and he kissed his neck. It's such a beautiful picture of the heart of our Heavenly Father. My, my, my. You can hear the crowd gasping again. He was aware of what would happen. Look at your notes. If he didn't get to his son first, others would get to him. So he publicly humiliated 
be publicly, his son would be publicly humiliated. At worst, he'd be killed. The father kissed and hugged him. And look, the father ran. Philippians 2 says that Christ humbled himself. The father is a picture of our heavenly father. When the father ran, now, all, all the ladies, have you ever tried to run in a skirt? I'm not quite sure what that looks like, but I think it would be something like this. Try to run in a skirt and heels. Doesn't work too good. So how would you run if you had a, a Middle Eastern garment like this? There's only one way to run if you have a Middle Eastern garment like this. Only one way. And to understand his stature, to understand how important the father is and how significant a man of God he is in the community, how significant he is in the region, he would have a uh, one of his servants run for him, but he wouldn't run. Because in order for a Middle Eastern man to run, he would have to hike that skirt up. Some people hike their skirts up and shouldn't. But he had to hike his skirt up to run so his legs would be free to run. And the picture of a Middle Eastern man showing his thigh is absolutely impossible. I mean, not, not today. People have ripped jeans all the way everywhere, and everybody says, oh, great. In, in that culture, let's take a praise break for a second. In that culture, to expose your thigh was not, was not hip and cool. It was a total dishonor. It's a picture of Jesus hanging naked on the cross, becoming shame so that you can be free from it. Now, in the first service, I left this on a little bit longer and realized that nobody's listening to anything I'm saying. They're staring at the skirt. Lava, lava. So, Pastor Karen. I've got to hurry. He ran something someone of his status would never do. He restores his son and holds a great celebration, thus attempting to reconcile his son to the family, reconcile his son to his, his prodigal son to the community, to himself, and he holds a celebration. He kills a fatted calf, which is a picture of the blood. Minister Micah, can we do the same thing we did before, please? Just like the first service, exactly. Takes the, the, the a fatted calf and they kill the fatted calf. It's a picture of sacrifice. It's a picture of atonement. They hold this giant celebration and people are coming from all over. The entire community would have come. And really, it's a picture of us having celebration in church. The church is a place of celebration. The church is a place of, of where people come home where people celebrate covenant. The father humbles himself and reaches out to the older son, so the older son won't come in, so he goes out. Just like he did for the younger son, he goes out, the father goes out to the older son and reaches to the religious knucklehead who had a distorted view of him. And he pleads with him. The father is accused by the older son of being a hard taskmaster and being prejudiced. Well, that wasn't the father's heart at all. The father's, the waiting father, 
shows his love to both sons, both. Reflecting on this individually, we see ourselves as one of the father's sons or daughters. Prodigal living, living wildly, completely outside of the covenant. Or having all these covenant rights and privileges, but having a distorted view of God as a slave owner and a taskmaster. Though you might be in church, I've heard people that were raised in godly homes say, I don't have a testimony. Or are you kidding me? You don't want my testimony, honey. Oh, you have a testimony of being kept by Almighty God. You have a testimony. I've known people, I've known pastors' kids that have said, you know something, I just had to run. I thank God, not my kids. I have heard it from my children before, earlier, early on. I don't feel like I have a testimony. Oh, you got one. You don't have to walk through what I walked through. You don't have to go through what your mama went through, what I went through. You can walk in freedom. You can walk in truth. You can walk in peace. You can walk in joy. You can celebrate in the house of God not have any of the scars. Even though God heals all of them in time. The father waits for the sons to turn. He's waiting for you to turn. He waits for the younger son to return while far off. He's looking for him daily. I feel like that sometimes. I feel like I'm looking on the horizon, on the social media horizon waiting one day I'm going to get a DM. One day I'm going to get a message. One day. One day. One day soon. One day soon. I'll get the text. I'll get the call. I'll get the email. The Lord's looking to you. The Lord's looking to you. Where are you? Won't you turn? Won't you turn and come? Won't you come? Won't you come to the Lord? Won't you turn and come to him? Things of time and tradition, fame and fortune, none of those things will satisfy. And at the end, you know, sin takes you always further than you want to go. And at the end, I mean, I don't know what the, the most grim picture is that you could have of how far you could fall from God, but that's where you'll end up if you don't turn and come home. Patty, you know, because I've been around a little while. I know from my own story, and I've pastored quite a few years and have seen it. I know that right relationship with the Father is the only way that you have life and life to the full life abundance, the only way to have peace. So you're like, well, I just want to do part of it, and the rest I want. And Father waits for us to turn. He won't force you. He doesn't force you. He'll use just the right amount of pressure. He'll use, some of you won't like what I'm about to say, he'll use just the right amount of judgment to move you back to him in his own kindness. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. I think of the times that I was far from God or half-hearted for God, especially half-hearted. I would come into services and power the Holy Spirit to come all over me. I remember walking in the back. You know, man, I mean, I was like living for God halfway, and then the other half, you know, I was gonna do whatever I want, which some of you think is fine. 
That, that's a miserable walk. Okay, that, that, that's, that's, like, that's like on the fence. That doesn't even sound good. doesn't sound comfortable for sure. I'd come in the back of the church. Power of God come all over me. I'd just sit there and go, man, it's you again. Presence of God. Lord. And he'd be like, come on, son. I'm waiting for you. Come on. How about, yeah, but Lord. No, no, no. It's okay. No, but, but, but no, 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 son. Just, just, it's all right. Over and over and over. I wasn't, I'm just telling my testimony a little bit here in the closing moments. I, hell, Hell didn't motivate me. I'm not sure I believed in it a whole bunch, but somebody, you know, you're gonna get like whatever, bro. I, I, I didn't. I didn't have a revelation of that, and it didn't move me at all. What moved me was the heart of the Father. I began to realize he, he wasn't like my earthly father as as good as my earthly father was, and tried to give me. He gave me everything he had, but he, you know, you can't give what you don't have. And I think about my spiritual father, Dr. Moronko, who, who, who was an amazing man of God. I mean, I call him today and wish him happy Father's Day along with my earthly father. Great man. Imperfect. Oh, but our father in heaven, he's a good, good father. And he waits for you to turn. He's not trying to beat you up. He's not some slave owner. He's not like that. He's not a child abuser. His love protects. His love reconciles. His love restores. His love moves us to forgiveness. It's kindness of God, the kindness, the Hebrews, hesed. It's, it's another word for grace, the kindness of God. God is kind. I mean, we should all be crispy critters, right? We're to celebrate because, because heaven celebrates with one sinner that returns to the Lord. Just one. All of heaven rejoices. These parables, and I'm, I'm, I'm closing. These parables, at the end of these three parables, verse 7, verse 10. Look at verse 7 of, of Luke 15. I say to you, likewise, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 just persons who need no repentance. In verse 10, I think it's verse 10. Likewise, I say to you, there's joy in the presence of of angels of God over one sinner who repents. He leaves the 99. He saves the one. Some people have 99-itis, not willing to leave anything to reach out to the one. But that's not the heart of the Father. Someone, someone comes to church, they get mad that they repent. You don't know what they did to me. Get all angry at them. I'm not going to that church anymore. I've actually had people say that to me. I'm not going anymore because what's-his-face goes there now. Oh, get over yourself, for God's sake. You're going to see a lot of people come, and lots of people are coming. The Alaska outpouring has begun, and souls are coming from all over. And you might just see that neighbor that ripped you off. How about forgive them? 
How about be a Christian? All right, as a church, come on, let's look at this and we'll, we'll land this plane. 102. Give me just a couple minutes, we're done. We reflect the Father's heart when we witness. If you've never won anybody to Christ, get going. Say, I'm not like that. We'll change. Share what God's done for you. Use social media to do it. Use any means you can to reach to people. You know, a church that's in the flow has a people on the go. One of the reasons there's a power of the Holy Spirit that's moving like He is here is prayer, there's unity, but there's people reaching out. Invite your neighbors, invite your friends, talk to them at the Alaska Club or at, at that other, uh, the girls' gym over there. What's that called? Planet Fitness. I'm, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, kind of. I forgive them, amen, I forgive them. Wherever you are, the price is right, amen. Whatever you do, wherever you are, wherever you go, let, let the invitation of heaven be in your mouth. Reach to people. I led somebody to Jesus. Yesterday, he might be online, he might be here, I don't know. Sitting in the sauna, imagine that, it's the open heaven in the sauna. Had so many miracles there. Begins to tell me about a choir that he's on, a church that he's a part of, and all this stuff. And I'm just realizing, I'm not sure he's born again, I'm thinking to myself. I said, oh, so you love Jesus? He's like, yeah. I said, and then I realized a little bit of a hesitancy there. And I thought, are you born again? Um, I'm trying. Great answer, but it was an answer that revealed to me that he didn't, nobody really told him it or he never heard it or whatever. I said, oh, oh, well, listen to me. And the presence of God rolled in that sauna that's happened so many times before. And let me just give you a little tip. If you're witnessing in a sauna, you got to hurry up because you only got a certain period of time before both of you pass out. So I began to witness to him. I told him everything he knew already. I affirmed that. I said, there's only one thing left. He's all, okay. I said, take my hand. He took my hand. I let him and he got saved. And I mean like he got saved. Like, he, like you could tell things shifted. Right at that time, we had to get out because we were both about to pass out. Maybe there's something like, kind of like hell when you're in a sauna. I don't know what it is. So we, we, go out, we go out and we sit down on the bench and we're sitting down there and he's, he's, he's visibly undone. I mean, he's, he's sitting there and he's... Oh... Oh, I said, oh, that's good. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I'm going to pray a little bit more for you. And I, I, I sat next to him, but not too close, so he didn't think I was weird. And I prayed a bold, prophetic prayer over him. Unbeknownst to me, there's people in the locker room listening, which is not, come on, where's my friend? Where's my Alaska where are you, Jerome? Where are you, Jerome? 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 Similar. 
I've prayed for them. I didn't lay hands on them, though, because it's, you know, again. I prayed boldly over them, and he shook. I saw him shaking a little bit. And I said, it's going to be easier now. He's like, awesome, awesome. Some, some guy walks around, Isaac. Isaac walks around, he's 18-year-old, he's full of Jesus. I said, hey, Isaac, this is so-and-so. So-and-so is Isaac. I said, Isaac loves Jesus. He's like, hey. He's like, yeah, he, he, just, he just got born again. He's like, congratulations, man. Welcome to the kingdom. I don't know what he said. It was just bouncing joy all over the place. If you understand the heart of the Father, you will witness. You will. If you understand that there's heaven and hell lying in the balance, you'll witness. Look at number two. We'll pray as a church. We reflect the heart of the Father when we witness. We reflect the heart of the Father when we pray. When you get up early, it matters. It's a looking afar off. When we give, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The Father is a giver. We're supposed to reflect him in everything that we do. We encourage. You know, by the fact that you came to church, some of you come for two services. You know, that encourages me. Why is that? That's what we used to do. So like, he preaches differently twice, so I'm just going to get this. I just give me, come on, come on, come on, feed me. Oh, I want more, God. You know, by you coming to church, you encourage the person next to you. You think it doesn't matter that you came, but I see you, and I miss you when you're not here. You encourage me. If it's no one else, it's me, but honestly, it's many people. The person you're next to, the person you're praying for, when you're lifting your voice and you're singing, or making a joyful noise, which might not sound so good, but you're lifting your voice. We encourage each other. This is a place of life. Number five, I'm done. Ten minutes over. Celebrate. Everybody say celebrate. celebrate. That's what this is. The mortuaries down the street. This is a place of angels lift their voices and celebrate when one sinner, when one comes to God, just one. When one comes, come on, lift your hands to heaven. Think about what he's done. Think about how he healed you. Think about how he saved you. Think about how he washed you. Think about how he cleansed you. Think about how he took away your disease. Think about how he gave you joy. Think about how he took out the heart of stone and gave you the heart of flesh. Think about how he renewed you. Think about how he changed you. Think about how he, he put his hand upon you when you were dead and he raised you up while you were yet a sinner, how he washed you. Think about what he did in your marriage. Think about what he did in your marriage. Come on, what he did in your finances. What he's doing in the United States of America. Think about what he's doing in Alaska. He's pouring out his spirit. He's pouring out his spirit. He's pouring out his spirit. He's summoning sons from afar and daughters from the ends of the earth. The loving heavenly father looks for you to turn. And if you're not right with God and you want to get right with him for the first time or you want to make a recommitment to him, I challenge you to come to him today. Right now, if you're an older brother, we're going to sing whatever we sing. And when we do, you come to the front. Same song as before. I don't know what that was. What was it? Nothing but the blood. Okay. As soon as you hear him sing whatever he's going to sing, you come to the front if you need to get right with God. And we're going to close. What's
He killed the fatted calf. He sacrifices only one his son. It's the blood that washes and cleanses you. Worship team, please. What can make me whole? Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for hearing my prayer and fulfilling the plan you have for my life. Give me a hunger for your word, a hunger for the things of God, and use me to be a witness. Use me to win people to Christ. Give me a burden for souls. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. I pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray now your touch upon each and every person here. Hallelujah. The word of the Lord comes to you, Dan. I saw you today and I saw your kids. I saw like a, a dam of the blessings of God, spiritual blessings, all kinds of blessings. I saw the floodgates opening, not fully open just yet, but opening. And the Lord would say, son, I, I've heard your cry. I've I've seen your prayer. I've heard your prayer. I've seen your action. Not what you've done when you even turned the other cheek. And something has shifted over your family, your extended family. And as that has now shifted, you will see even those 
like an older brother. The sin of the older brother coming inside, coming home. It's like it tipped. You're going to see it. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. What a great word. <laughs> you know, something tipped for me today, too. Lord spoke to me. 90 days. Well, actually, he said 90 to 120. There's a, the, the challenge with people is that <laughs> we all get to choose or reject him. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. I'm, I'm done, almost. Let your fire come. Let your power come upon your people, those online. Come on, in Dillingham, lift your hand. Come on, in Florida, lift your hand. In Seattle, lift your hand. In New York, wherever you are, lift your hand just for a moment longer. Let the Holy Spirit, like a wave, come over you. Be filled. Be refreshed. Be touched right now. your joy. Release strength. I call sons from afar. Daughters from the ends of the earth. I say to the north, hold not back and to the south, give them up as it is in Isaiah. Your children who you're created for your glory. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the Alaska outpouring. Oh, it's just begun. We say yes. We thank you for the heart of the Father. I pray again for fathers to rise in America and for America, the healing of America through fathers. 93%. Get the fathers, Lord. Get the fathers and wrangle them on in here. Turn the heart of the king. Proverbs 21.1, like, like a water course. Turn them and bring them in and heal families and let it spread all across America. In Jesus' name, we give you praise and glory. Amen. May the Lord bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, lift up his countenance towards you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. We love you. God bless you. Tonight, Wally Pearson going to be preaching at 6 o'clock. Happy Father's Day. If you didn't get one of those Father's Day gifts, we have, uh, we have one for you. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.